the starting lineup for your Gangsters, what's up guys? Are you a slacker? Envy. I'm not gonna debate you, Jerry. God bless the internet. Welcome to Flicking and Streaming. I am Jed Sprague here with my co-host JT Chipman. Hey everyone. And Evan Fagundis. Hello. And this week it's a Wolfgang Peterson versus. We are talking Troy versus Air Force One. But before we get into that, gentlemen, how are we doing? Evan, how are you, my friend? You know, I'm doing pretty well. I all things considered, um, I'm I'm doing well. I'm happy to just kind of be hanging out. Um, possibly have a little trip coming up, um, j- just to get out of the house. Um, and yeah, having a good time overall. Love it. How are you, Chip? Big. Dude, no complaints on my end. Um, uh, going through the process of buying a car right now, Ooh. All, all sorts of fun. I just like sit down and just think about numbers and money and I'm kind of ready for that to be <laughs> over with, but yeah. getting a new car is exciting. <laughs> is that, is it tough at the Mercedes dealership? Like, do they, are they giving you a hard time trying to get a deal? What's well, deal? I've got a good relationship with them already as a, yeah, you bought, right, right. you bought plenty of vehicles from them. Me and Brody at the dealership. We go way back. <laughs> Brody. <laughs> and they know you can go right across the street. Yeah. They don't carry you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You're just going to walk your ass over to the BMW to yeah. Jason, Jason, Jaserson, BMW, and, and Range Rover. I'm not Rover. afraid to switch up to get the deal I want. Yeah, exactly. Hell yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm doing good, man. Thanks for asking. Uh, yeah, things are starting to calm down around here a little bit, you know, getting a little more sleep, a little bit more. Uh, but I'm mostly, you know, just excited to, to dive into some movies that have been a lovely escape. Uh, mm. away from from the madness uh, and that is troy and air force one uh two movies directed by a certain man named wolfgang peterson what do we think of him as a director i just want to say off the top we i just found out i know evan said the same thing that he passed away last year really sad wasn't uh didn't hear a lot about that he passed away last august um so r.i.p wolfgang will be missed what do you guys think of him as a director though What's his legacy? I think he's a good, like, blockbuster filmmaker, right? Like, I don't think he's the best filmmaker, um, but I feel like he always brings something to the movies that that he makes. I mean, you could call him, like, a journeyman or whatever, um, and I think that's probably true, but I don't think that's a bad thing either. I think he's super competent at making, you know – Turning the bones of a blockbuster movie into a successful movie, if that makes sense. Um, and and it's not always a great movie, but I feel like he he can't be completely boring, which is mm-hmm. saying something. I agree. He's like a great two starter, you know. Yeah. He's exactly. he's not your ace, but he's reliable. He's an innings eater. Rich Every Hart. now and then he's gonna throw like an eight like eight shutty for you, but yeah, he's, he's reliable. Rich Harden. That's who he is. Mm. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Just, we're real Late close to just like naming teams. some guys. Yeah, I was gonna say more of a. I, I don't. Yeah, I okay. Number two starter, uh, I could see. But he can throw the eight scoreless. Yeah, that's exactly. what, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. That's what Harden's got. He's got in his, yeah. his locker. He's like a. He's not definitely not a number one. I mean, he's number one on a bad team, but you know he's a good team's number two. 
right? He's got that in his locker. Exactly. Reliable, really, really enjoyable. And then, but it's like you said, though, he can slip out of the mainstream a little bit. You're right that last year his death didn't make a lot of waves, but you bring up the name Wolfgang Peterson in a crowd, you know, as we find ourselves in crowds, people are like, oh, yeah, he's the best. You know, it, it triggers that that bit of a dopamine response in the way that we remember a lot of um, two starter type sports figures. So I want to read off a couple of his titles outside Please. of this. We're looking at Das Boot, The Never Ending Story, Perfect Storm, Poseidon, In the Line of Fire, Outbreak. Those are kind of many of the big ones. There's some German stuff on here. Obviously, he's, he's a German filmmaker. There's some uh, some lovely German titles uh, that I have can't say I've had the pleasure of, of seeing. Um, but, yeah, he's done a lot of work with some big filmmakers or big, like, actors, which I think is what's, yes. like, the interesting thing about him is, like, people seem to want to work with him. And it's hard to know, is he getting attached to these projects after the actors are already attached or... You know, does he get the project and then the actor's like, oh, I'm going to go work with him because, you know, he's going to make me look like a badass or he's going to make, you know, make me look like a god or whatever. I don't know if a lot of actors will, like, swear by him. I mean, even, like, there's a couple of stories with Troy where some actors maybe weren't super fond of everything that went on, but not directly related to Wolfgang. I think he has an eye for talent, though. I think that he really knows which stars are going to work for which projects and he can assemble them together really well. You know, I'm really curious. That all is, is is very true. I'm curious how this started because he's somebody who has been entrusted with big budgets, like a lot. You know, when you're listing off those movies, um, I mean, the stars alone are really costly on those movies. And then movies like Troy and I guess Air Force One, we'll talk about is pared down a bit. But like The Perfect Storm, like these are huge spectacle movies. Um, I kind of wonder if stars are attached to projects through studios and then he's sort of found as like this guy can can you know man the ship at 80 million dollars or whether he's coming on and and really picking um you know the actors because you're right like it's it's like a murderer's row uh at the top of his movies at least the american blockbusters oh for sure it it almost makes you wonder yeah i i think i agree with you evan i think it seems to me like it has to be like the studio has an actor attached to these huge projects and then they're like all right who are we going to bring in let's bring in wolf like he's gonna you know do a good job with these blockbusters Mm. at least that's what it seems like to me yeah and and lots of these movies that he does seem to have been ones where if you like read the wikipedia at least there's a lot of like this person was attached to it and then this person and then Wolfgang came on and like took the project on. Yeah. Um, so he's definitely hunting for, for stuff that he's interested in. Yeah. It kind of like, it reminds me almost of like how, and I love talking about Ford v Ferrari, of course, how, you know, they landed on mango for Ford v Ferrari, right? They had Damon and Bale attached to this script and they were going to do it. And then they were just looking for the right director and mango ended up being the perfect pick. Right. It's not like he, like, you know, he was this, had this auteuristic vision of like, I am going to make Ford v. Ferrari, and then, like, I'm going to convince everybody to, to hop on board. They're yeah. just like, you know what? We need someone that can just make a really damn good movie. And that was him. Really would like to see Wolfgang's Ford v. Ferrari. I wonder what he Ooh. could do with wonder what he could do with that story. But something that's really, we can't overlook this. His name is Wolfgang Peterson. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, can't, can't overstate how important that is. 
It is. You put that on a poster and people are going to come see your movie. People trust that name with action, with excitement, a little bit of uh, clearly not an American name. That's clearly someone from overseas. So that adds a little bit of extra spice with it. But I honestly think, I mean, think of all the great names in the movies, like Julia Louise Dreyfus, you know, just like a powerful name that attracts the eye and just like holds like, I don't know, that was the first like big yeah. name I could come up with, you know, like come there. There's other like Denzel just, Washington, maybe Denzel like <laughs> Washington. Exactly. It's... It hooks you. It hooks you from the very beginning. And you're like, whatever this wolf gang character is up to, I want some of that. I want in on that as a viewer, as an actor, as a producer. It's funny you say that because that's exactly why Evan was going to name his firstborn son Wolfgang. Hey, it gets people going. I mean, it's provocative. Like the name alone is is there's something that's almost feels like scandalous about it. <laughs> like this dude's name is really Wolfgang Peterson. Yeah, uh, I, there's not a lot of Wolfgangs rolling yeah. around. There's right. not. There's there's Tyler the Creator with his golf golf wang Wolfgang stuff. Yeah, but even before that. We had Air Force. There's, there's Mozart. There's the uh, the chef. What's his name? Wolfgang something. And then Wolfgang Peter. Puck. I forget yeah, that. Yeah, Wolfgang Puck. I forget uh, that Mozart was a Wolfgang. Wolfgang Amadeus. Yeah. Mozart. Talk about a name that needs to be on a movie movie poster. Um, great name. Um, can I throw in one more thing about about Wolfgang and and. I'll admit right now, we're probably going to be too positive about Wolfgang. Like He's probably a little bit closer to middle of the road than, at least for his time, than we're probably going to indicate here in some of our scores and stuff. But like even just a quick IMDb look, like it says he you know, was kind of decried for turning out a string of standard commercial Hollywood blockbusters is the exact quote on IMDb. And you know what? It's a it's. It's combining a bunch of different stuff. I'm I I don't know exactly what the sentiment of the time exactly was, but watching these two movies the last week, I'm just like the amount of invention in these movies compared to the standard like Netflix um, action movie is just beyond. Yeah, you know what game, I mean. Like if we got, I if wish we got this was a standard Air Force Lockdown. One that came out tomorrow. I feel like it would be insane right like it, we we don't see stuff like that yeah that no, much you, anymore you think about it like like they either have to be overly like winking and funny like bullet train or they have to be ip really yeah you know? they like are so glossy now you know what i mean and like now like I, not just like the lenses but everything is like feels so like manicured in a way yeah. that his uh his movies just don't. I mean, we'll talk about that. But it's also like this movie is basically like if the Russo brothers got Deacons to shoot their next movie or something, right? Like Air Force, you know. Get yeah. it's Ballhouse, right? Yeah, I think. Uh, it's it's sad. Yeah, yeah. One is ball it's sad though. Ball it's a really good example yeah. of of how like the degradation of of the Hollywood blockbuster, um, you know, is an epidemic. Really, like, and I mean, Top Gun may have saved us, but but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's great that we got Top Gun, but it's like it has to be, you know, the biggest movie of the year to be worth like or considered a, a success. Yeah, at least in in like pure genre like that. But who's let's the, get into it. Just, who's the clo- who's the closest person we have working like close person dude, to him that we have working today? Is it an insult to say somebody like Kaczynski? I don't think so, because like like, is it an insult to Kaczynski? Um, no. 
Yeah, okay. Think, but I mean, cool. you think about it, right? He did like Tron. He's did top. He's did Top Gun. You know, he does. He's done a couple of emotional things. Um, only the brave. How about like Matt Reeves? I think Matt Reeves is a little more genre high-minded. Okay. I think at least Matt Reeves thinks of himself as a little more high-minded. I would think I would say that's true as well. Um, I think he probably could say he aspires for more, but I say that as he's starting his Batman spin-off TV show. So, you know, who's to really uh who's yeah. to really judge, I guess. When I don't you know. unlock a maestro performance like Colin Farrell as Penguin, who are you to deny the foray into television? That's true. We all remember the uh, the uh, Danny DeVito show run by Tim Burton <laughs> in the late 90s. <laughs> oh, all right. You guys ready to get into it? Yeah. All right, let's yeah. play Versus. As you know, if you're a listener of the show, Versus is our game where we pit two movies against each other based on five categories. Story, sound, cinematography, acting, and overall feel. The first four categories are worth five points from each of us. Overall feels worth 10 points from each of us. And then there's an additional legacy category that is worth a 10 collective points. For a total of 100 points available <laughs> to determine who the best movie is in this matchup. What's our points total? Is our 90, we're 99 for, for, uh, uh, for Chinatown. Scream 1. No, no, Chinatown hadn't got 99. China's on. That's right. Oh boy, yeah, we, we do this. China, yeah, Chinatown versus Gong Girl. Um, so let's do it. Let's kick it off with the story scores. Evan, I want your your story scores. Troy first, please. Troy first. Um, <laughs> I'll go. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. I Come can on. Be wildly mean. Um, yeah. I'll go two. <laughs> No, no, I'll go three. I'm going three. I've been I've been going back and forth on that specific score the entire time. So three. Um, and then should I give? Wait, should I give both scores or just? Yeah, give them both. Okay, three, and then I'm going to go four for Air Force One. Love it. Um, so Troy. Part of it is like I just don't understand a lot of the characters in Troy, and I know part of it is because it's like talking about mythology which in a way is unprovable in a way or 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 can explain away you know not developing somebody but some of the stuff just like the way rose Byrne is written in the movie and like that plot line and there's just like different stuff that feels so um I, I don't know. Just like feels so nasty just for nasty's sake. And like, I don't really understand where it's going. Um, it's also just like a weird story that doesn't focus on, on, in my opinion, doesn't focus on the most important thing, which is like this love that's, that's separating or like that's starting a war. Right. And I, I just never really buy that. And I feel like part of it has to do with, with the writing doesn't set everyone up for success is what I should say. Um, no. and then what am I going to say about Air Force One? It's like a hijacking of Air Force One. That's the coolest concept. It's done super efficiently. I love the way this movie is paced. Um, probably the only thing that knocks it down from a five and it's really nitpicking is just like it. Sometimes my mind does wander to like, wait, how does that happen? You know, but I have to shut that down immediately. And that's probably more of a me thing than, a, than the movies thing. Um, but it actually does establish stakes so well it's really tense i actually do care about what's happening in the like quote-unquote situation room which 
it seems almost impossible in a movie like this, right? It seems like it would be such dead air every time they're in there with Glenn Close um, and and all the advisors because it's like not in the action. But that dialogue is so good. I'll stop now. Yeah. Um, so I also I gave a four to Air Force One as well. Um, Air Force One is fucking sick. Like you said, it, they did such a good job of establishing the conflict, uh, you know, kind of the overall wider world conflict at the time, setting the stage. And then they get into the hijacking. What I love is they don't like fuck around with being like, yo, oh, like what's what's happening? Like who who might these nefarious Russian journalists be? I mean, they know for like they're telling you, hey, these are people to pay attention to. And they're clearly nefarious from the minute they walk on screen. And I love that. They're like, all right, we're going to establish our heroes. We're going to establish our, our, um, our villains. And I don't know. It's just, you know, it's a good old fashioned, uh, Patriot, Patriot drama. I think we should release a cut of this with, uh, CGI Joe Biden's face onto Harris, uh, Harrison Ford and just see what happens. Um, <laughs> how fun would that be? Listen, with AI, you know, we can do anything. We can have him deliver the get off my plane. We can have him deliver the whole speech on foreign policy that Harrison Ford does. Yeah. Go over I, I just so think, well. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, though, like Harrison Ford obviously carries this movie, right? It's like he's the kind of man that I think America thinks and wishes is like what the president of the United States represents, like in this movie, right? It's like he was a war veteran. And then he, uh, you know, he decided to stay on his plane against the wishes of his uh, advisors. And he, like, is going to take the plane back himself. It's like, cool. Everyone in center frame of that movie can carry it, which is super cool. Yeah. Gary Oldman is fucking incredible, by the way. And we'll get into that in in another another, uh, category. But, uh, Troy... I like that we're all pausing before giving Troy a bad score. Troy's Troy's a one. I mean, it's an adaptation. It's an adaptation of Homer. And they just completely, like, take everything that's important and they miss it. And then they don't introduce, like, the key reasons why characters are acting the way they're acting. Right? Like... Why is it like, why is Achilles act the way he acts like throughout? Like, why does he spare Hector? It's not because he's like some like showman, right? That wants like that wants to get all this praise. Like he know in actual Homer, he knows that once he kills Hector, once Hector is dead, then he will die. Like he go, he sails to this war knowing that he is going to die. It's part of the reason that he doesn't want to go in the first place. It's not just because he hates Agamemnon. You know, like there's so many like, like minutia like so much minutia that they like gloss over. They make everyone cousins. Patroclus was not his cousin. He was just a, a close friend or a roommate, um, you know, or a lover, depending on who you ask. Right. So they robbed us of a of a sex scene between Brad Pitt and uh, and, our, and our boy, whose name is Garrett Hedlund. Hedlund. Yeah, Garrett Hedlund. So beautiful. Um, and then uh, Briseis is is like not related at all to to the family of Troy. She's just like some, she is somebody that was like captured in the initial raid. That is true. But then Achilles saves her because he's not, and doesn't bed her because he's not like a, like that's not what he was about. He just didn't want her to be murdered. You know, Cause no, he's it's like, not what he was about. 
Yeah, it's but I don't know. It's it just seems like they take so many story points and they just completely fuck them up. And obviously there's like a lot of different adaptations, but it just seems like such a lazy way to have done what they did. Right. They don't even explain that the whole reason that all the Greeks like come together to sail off to get Helen is because when uh, when Menelaus got chosen by Helen to be her husband, it was at like a council where she chose that. And then everyone else swore an oath that they would abide by her choice and like protect her if any harm were to like fall to her. So they don't set up any of those stakes. It, it just is so such like a vehicle to get us sick battle scenes, which is cool. Like, right. Like that's awesome. But like, it's just such a seminal like work in the history of mankind. And they just treat it so lazily. The script needed like a million revisions. So I'm giving the first one in the history of a versus. So wow. four, four and one. Where were you when the first one was delivered in history versus this is what we'll all ask our grandchildren. Um, I don't have much to echo on the Troy hate besides giving it a two myself. Um, you're right. You, you, you really hit on the mythological points that were just completely whiffed on Jed. It just feels like they were like, we need to make this for American audiences. Yeah. So these people need to be related and Achilles needs to act like this and behave like this and be a straight man, you know. It's just very 2000s kind of masculine bullshit. Like, it's the worst tendencies of, I think, Wolfgang's male characters um, yes. kind of funneled into one. It probably could have used a rewrite. It's very funny. So if you look up this movie on Letterboxd, you will see Homer as a credited writer for this movie. And there is a, <laughs> a picture of a bust of Homer. And he has Homer has a Letterboxd page. Like you can see, like, uh, like, oh, brother, where art thou? He's, like, listed as a writer. Like, he's wow. credited as a writer um, because it's based upon, the you know, the Iliad by, um, by Homer, which is very funny. Uh, but, yeah, it's just a bad story that's really poorly uh, – it's not a bad story, but they made it a bad story. And that's almost more offensive than anything else. Um, Air Force One is a five. Yes. Great call. It's it's just so sick. If I was to nitpick, you could probably like squeeze five minutes somewhere from like uh, between when Oldman goes out of the plane and Gibbs is has his moment. There's like you could probably make that into one piece or or switch it up a little bit because it does kind of make the last 15 minutes drag a little bit because, you know, like, OK, now we have to get it out of the way that Gibbs is going to betray him again, too. Right. But yep. it's a perfect story. It is so <laughs> ridiculously conservative. And yeah. this, this, the politics are just written all over this movie. Like it, it, it does not have any shame <laughs> about the interventionist strategies. This movie, this movie was shouting during the State of the Union last night. That is that is correct. This movie was like, what about the spy balloon? During <laughs> uh, the State of the Union. Uh, and it's really, really awesome. <laughs> It's a per it's just everything I want from a story like this, um, which is basically just die hard on a plane. Yeah, the president of the United. What if we did die hard, but it was the president of the United States on a plane? Um, OK, so after the first category story, um, I think this might be the biggest deficit we've ever had after a first category. It is <laughs> six to 13 in favor of <laughs> Air Force One. So the next category is sound. I will start off with my scores here. Um, 
I actually give Troy the slight edge on this one. I'm going to go four for Troy and a three for Air Force One. I think Air Force One sounds really good. Uh, I just think it sounds slightly less good than Troy. I like the music better in Troy. I like a lot of the environmental sounds um, in Troy. And what I think Troy does really well that Air Force One sometimes misses is like sometimes I feel like the dialogue in Air Force One is a little bit low uh, in the mix. And Troy does a really good job of making it sound like it's involved, like still involved in the environment. But during the battle sequences and stuff, you always hear Hector. You always hear Achilles. Um, you know, the sounds of the, the men chanting uh, is is awesome. Um, and I just I think I really like the way that Troy sounds. It's just got a cla- a really classic kind of. Uh, you know, battling score, right? You could see it in like a medieval score or, a, or you know, obviously this is Greek, but um, in, in some ways it even reminds me of the score from Willow in like weird ways, which Willow, sick movie. But um, yeah, so I got four and three. What do you have, Chip? Yeah, I have uh, basically the same score. Four for Troy, three for Air Force One. So I watched the director's cut of Troy which actually features a track from uh, Planet of the Apes. It gets played during the Hector Achilles fight scene. They uh, play the uh, track from Planet of the Apes, and it's pretty It's pretty cool. There's there's a few other differences in the soundtrack that I don't have like the specifics of, but the director's cut does make some choices that were appealing to me just upon reading about it, so that's why I chose to uh, go that direction. Um, but even like before that fight scene, when... Achilles is just calling out Hector's name. That is very well mixed into the background while they're up in the tower having the conversations about what to do next. Hector! Just in the background, you keep hearing, Hector! You know, but it's 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 mixed well into the background, right? And I, 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 got, I got a good kick out of that, that they just kept doing it over and over. They didn't, they didn't ignore that. They didn't just let him go quiet. Like, you know, you got to keep saying it. Air Force One is a three just because I, if I, if nothing sticks out to me about the sound in a movie, I tend to just throw it right in that three category, right down the middle. I don't recall a lot of like great score moments. I don't recall a lot of great, like like good or bad choices with the sound mixing. Obviously, the get off my plane, the, like it drops out right there, and you just hear get off my plane. That that's great because it is mixed properly and mixed higher up, like you're saying, Jed. Um, as opposed to some of the lower mixing of the sound in the movie, but get off my plane is, is delivered just right. Yeah, definitely. Evan, what about you? Um, so I have four for Troy and I have five for air force one. Oh, wow. Um, We're underrating air force one. So both of these are like legendary, uh, composers, right? And air force one is Jerry Goldsmith who did like alien. Speaking of Chinatown, we gave him a five there. Uh, Mm. gremlins. He did, um, the Mummy, he just has some, like, legendary Total Recall. I love that score. But I, he did this crazy, like, he's using these super patriotic themes and turning them into this, like, action movie score. And I don't know, there's just something about it that's, like, kind of corny, but at the same time it's just, like, so much fun because I think the 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 script and the actors are, like, helping it feel serious, even when this score, like, could be almost, like, sat- satirical. I don't know. I just really enjoy it. And um, love the gunshots on the plane. The gunshots are so loud, and that is actually one of those things that 
um, jumps out to me, sort of like what you were talking about, Chip, like whether something grabs you. And I could see it not, you know, grabbing everyone, but those first gunshots are just so unexpected. It's so crazy how fast it escalates and... I don't know. I just love how loud it is. Um, and then I like a good shout. It's kind of like in a Michael Mann movie where the gunshots, like in Heat, are just explosively yes. loud. Like it, it really should. So be your They don't do that enough, honestly. They don't. They don't do that enough because that guns are loud. I don't know if you guys know that. Um, guns are really loud. Um, really loud. So I feel like they should. They should probably lean into that in movies dude, a little bit. More. Dude, it's in t- such a tight space too like it, it's it's doing the same thing as heat with the visceral sound but it's almost doing it in an opposite way where heat it's so cavernous right in downtown mm-hmm. la that it's like the sound is everywhere it's almost like you're being shot at from everywhere because it's just reverberating around and in air force one it's like you can't escape it because it's so tight like they're literally ripping shots into the ceiling right above people's heads and it's like they're in this tiny little confined space i don't know i really like it and then troy so four, because it, it kind of has the classic, like, clashing uh, sound a lot, right? And and it's, like, very war movie of this, um, like, telling a story in this in this era. So that's fine. Um, but I really do love this score. I was getting hints. I was like, this sounds a lot like the first Avatar score. And I realized it's James Horner who actually did the first Avatar score. And there's definitely hints of the, like, like shots of the Navi, um mixed in to the score or Troy score, which obviously came first. It, it was like incredibly loud though. I don't know if you guys noticed that. He did Willow too, which is what I said it sounded like. Oh, did you say Willow? Awesome. <laughs> yes. And Titanic. I could hear some Titanic in there. Dude, this guy is, is amazing. Yeah. Willow, Field of Dreams, He's Mask of Zorro. I couldn't believe that. That's so yeah. Funny. Yeah. Um, wow. But uh, yeah, so I really like that score too. Um, awesome. but that's what I got five and four. Love it. Chip, what are your scores for cinematography? Uh, before we get to that, after the sound category, 18 points for Troy, 24 for air force one. For air force one. I'm going to go a four for cinematography. This is where we need to talk about Michael Ballhouse though, because you yeah. want to talk about a guy who's had his hand in some things. Michael Ballhouse has worked with Martin Scorsese on Goodfellas, the departed after hours, color of money, less temptation yeah. of price, etc. Yes. Oh, age of innocence. Think about yeah. all those candles in Age of Innocence oh. framing the characters' faces, and that color is the guy. Does that look good? Yeah. That, color oh, of money looks great. Is that a pretty good-looking movie? Oh, that, that was. So, yeah, no, of course. But I just mean the pool, the pool shots. It's like yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's so good. It's so cool that we're doing this movie because there was just a thread that went viral on Twitter a couple weeks ago about Color of Money cinematography, and they were like, "This is an anti-screen cap movie. It's actually a perfect GIF movie for looking at the cinematography, looking at the pool shots, looking at the way the camera's like moving with Vincent as he's dancing, or the way that like the camera moves as Vincent's walking along the side of the car. It's not made to be still. It's not made for you to be like, look at this perfect frame. It's made to like be lived in. And I felt that a lot with Air Force One as well. I felt a lot of the the movement. Um, I felt, especially just being like on a plane, you know, I, I very much felt like, there was always a little bit of unsteadiness, a little like always a little bit of tremble um, as this jet is going through the sky, especially as it's hitting turbulence or they're you know about to crash uh, and then they they pull up you know or the 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 refueling tanker just ripped you know out of it and exploded above it. Um, 
that action and that that general shakiness gets a bad rep in terms of like cinematography. This isn't shaky cam. This is just general shakiness because you're in the sky. It's very well communicated throughout the movie, and I'm a big fan of that. Um, and then Troy, I will give I'll give it a three as well. There's some really great shots in Troy, like. I don't know, thinking about the shots literally of the Trojan horse coming into the city, the shots of Achilles waiting outside the gates for Hector. There's, it's pretty memorable, and I do appreciate how much, like, open flame he likes to use. Ah, like, like just giant, like, not just candles and torches, but just, like, in the temples. There's just giant flames shooting up everywhere, and it's very nice to illuminate conversations that way, and it can make those scenes a little more exciting than maybe the dialogue actually is. Um Actually, you know what? I'll give it a four. I'm going to change my mind. I'm going up to a four because now I'm thinking about all those open flames and all that candlelight. And that was pretty that's that's that was a really well a good, a good touch in Troy. So I'll give fours for both. Love it. Uh, Evan. Um, I, I get a three for Troy. Um, that cinematographer, Roger Pratt, is also he, he shot two Harry Potter movies, which I thought was funny because we talked so much about the way those looked. Um, he shot the original Batman, which I actually love uh, as far as the way it looks and stuff. But it just feels a little like down the line for me, honestly. And this is like one of the things I'm, I'm probably always looking for a little bit of juice and he, he does kind of the soaring stuff. Well, which I can see he actually uh, was a cinematographer for Goblet of Fire. And I see a lot of similarities mm. with flying on brooms, uh, brooms and stuff like that. And the dragons, um, a lot of like swoopy type stuff, which is interesting, but Part of the way Troy is edited and stuff, there are times when these huge armies are marching and the way that they shoot them, it just doesn't like feel intimidating enough. It it seems Mm. like the best of the best like are able to shoot like large armies and things like that, like the Peter Jacksons of the world and make them look infinite and impossible and there's a couple interesting shots you know of like all the the ships in Troy um, going across the sea is like pretty cool but just lots of it feels kind of average when when it's going through um air force one i won't go into it too much it's a five for me ball house is the best with shadows i love Mm. when harrison ford is down in like the cargo bay there early on um when he's hiding out and it's all these like slanted shadows it reminds me so much of speaking of like a chinatown or like those noir films with with it almost being black and white down there with these slivers of light kind of coming through. Um, I love some of like, they're not split diopters, but they're these shots of Harrison Ford with his back against a wall with a character in the deep, deep background, kind of out of focus looking for him. Um, some of those are really cool, but I, I just love the way he shoots like confined spaces. Yeah. I, I got a, the same scores as chip four for both. Uh, I think Evan completely echoing what you said in, in air force one, I think, that and the way like he navigates tight spaces and makes the action really coherent, um, which I think sometimes hard to do in those tight spaces. Uh, and then Troy is a four. I think this movie actually doesn't do battle scenes particularly great, but what it does do is a lot of the like intimate shots of one-on-one conversations, um, just even like close-ups of Brad Pitt. Like, come on. Has, has a human man ever been more attractive than him in this movie? You know, like from like a physique standpoint. It's pretty it's pretty wild. Like a lot of those shots where it just lingers on his back muscles. I, I, I wonder what he 
had like I would love to see his like workout routine, like how he prepared for this and like the amount of like HGH that he took or didn't take, you know, or like whatever he had to do to to get in this kind of shape. Because this isn't like jacked superhero shape. This is like like best Olympic athlete ever shape, yeah. you know, like strong yeah. and lean. It's pretty impressive. Uh, I'm gonna quit smoking for it. Yeah. Yeah, he said he's pissed about that. I love I I one thing I love is all the shots of him doing his little signature like jump to the side and stab the neck. Those all look great. I do like that. The way they shot the final fight too is awesome. Yeah, that's fight true. between Van like that yeah. for suddenly that it feels super like yeah, on the ground and especially for how fucking oh, so dumb cool. the battle between Paris and Menelaus is. You know, like all the shots from inside his helmet. It's like, yeah. Oh, it's like this is so stupid. Um it's like it it, it reminds it's like those those kind of shots take you out of the movie there's a couple shots in the peter jackson hobbit trilogy in the second one in particular desolation of smog the barrel riding scene it's clear he like got lost in the sauce and he put like a gopro on one of the barrels and like the color like the coloring completely changes because he's not using these imax cameras like i remember like he made such a big deal about like we're using these crazy imax cameras with these like weird color profiles. So actually all the colors on set and the colors of all the costumes are different than the way they're going to be rendered on screen. Mm. But then he's just like, but also like, here's a GoPro shot of a fucking barrel going down a river. Like it's like, those are the kind of shots that take you out of movies. And mm -hmm. this has one of them, but I'm still going to give it a four, uh, which puts it at 29 points and air force one at 37 points. As you head in the acting category, Evan, what do you have in this category? Um, <laughs> Ooh, this so this is a little bit tough i will say I, I again i'm going five for air force one this is like amazing leading man in harrison ford and amazing villain in russian gary oldman yeah. um they're both going so hard but i feel like where that where that movie like really takes off is in those secondary characters and chip i i saw you tweeting about at least one of them um but it's just amazing when you see uh um, why am I blanking on his name? Philip Baker Hall. Philip Baker Hall popping up when you see William H Macy popping up when you see Dean Stockwell popping up. Glenn Close gets to cook for like 15 minutes in the middle of this movie. I I just feel like down the line it is awesome. Like everyone who shows up on screen is so memorable, and uh, and you just have one of the best Harrison Ford leading man performances in my opinion, especially in. Um, non-connected movies, you know, if we're looking at his, like, kind of originals. Um, this is probably, so like, good. the standout one, I think, of those. Like, if you're, like, of the non-Star Wars Indiana Jones variety, like, is, is yeah. this is, like, the one I'll think of. And even, I guess, yeah. Blade Runner's connected. So it's, like, everything he does is connected, except for, like, a couple things. Yes. Um, okay. Very true. What about... Um, so, it's hard to say, because it may be some of lots of it is the writing for sure and i think the direction um of this movie there's a lot of aimless character arcs things like that that make it hard to act i'm sure i'm gonna go three i'm qualifying it way too much i'm gonna go three um i actually think this is some of the worst pit i have to say and, so and he's like my guy he's really not good in this movie and, and it's really weird the accent um, is fucking weird the yeah, the accent yeah. is really weird. It floats in and out. It's he like, like, yeah, 
like Jed, I loved all the stuff that you were saying early on about how he differs from the book, but I'm like, I didn't even know what he was like in this movie. Like, it's so like up and down and he's almost giving nothing in so many scenes. That's what I'm saying. It's like, they don't allow him. I think, like you said, I think part of it's the writing because I think he's, Achilles is supposed to be this like hard nosed, stubborn character. Right. And you get that with like, I'm not going to fight for you, Agamemnon. Right. I'm not just going to fight for you. Like, you know, he's like wo- his wounded pride is what caused him to do that. But he's also supposed to be like the like not the not like the reverent warrior. But he doesn't like he's not he's he essentially was born to be this killer, but he doesn't embrace being like a killer. He doesn't like enjoy it. It's like he does it because that's what he was born to do. And that's what like the gods, you know like basically have made him to do and he thinks that's his purpose but he's not i don't know it's like it's he gets like too much sport out of it in in this movie it's really it's it's i mean said it's just that's what i mean about direction like i I feel like that is something that they came up with for sure before this movie um but yeah i i don't i don't love that but part, part of it is like he and Orlando Bloom, to me, are just completely like this term is getting thrown around too much. It, they're like unserious in this movie. Everyone else is so serious. Like Brian Cox is really good. Brandon Gleason is really good in this movie. Peter O'Toole Bean. is really good. Sean Even Bean a, is so good. Sean Bean is like very good at what he does, which is just like be the best eighth guy you got. Um, Diane Kruger, completely innocent. Uh, Rose Byrne is just such a weird casting. Like some of these castings are just too, like Saffron Burroughs plays um, uh, Banna's wife. And like, obviously she's a very underwritten character. And like that whole arc is so boring and unnecessary. Um, But just like kind of, but the two main guys, the two brothers are just like not in a serious movie. They're in like a, a movie that needs to have a little bit of a laugh. Like, Orlando Bloom is doing the Pirates of the Caribbean thing, except this movie is supposed to be dead serious all the time. Um, I'll stop. Three. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So I, I, I've i got a, a three for Troy for the same reasons. But I, I, I like, I want to give it a one because of how bad Pitt is. I genuinely think, I don't think it's just, like, him, like, normal, like, oh, kind of a, a bland performance from a guy, like, clear wasn't his best. I think it's actively terrible. Like, I think it's actively very bad. Um, but I think Brian Cox is really good. I think Gleason is really good. I think Bean is really good. I think all of the adults in the room are really, really good in this movie. And it elevates it enough for me. It would be interesting to see, like... I just don't know who else they would have... Ca- like, Because, like, Pitt's the whole reason they this movie gets made. I feel like. You know, it's like, who else are they going to cast? It, it's also we haven't mentioned at all that this movie is literally just doing the trying to do the gladiator thing. I mean, this movie must have gotten greenlit, you know, a year after Gladiator and just took a couple years to come together. But it's hard because the whole time I'm just like, wow, Russell Crowe has just did this and I took it completely seriously. Yeah, Chip. Wolfgang turned down Gladiator. Did he really? Yep. So this was his like, his, this was his like, I <laughs> messed up. That became the movie of the year. And so are yep. you telling me? Are you telling me that there's an alternate reality where Ridley is making Troy? Is Troy the does? But Detroit does. Is that? 
does that work though? Can Wolfgang make Gladiator really good? I don't good think not the same no. way. Not no, the same what way. makes Gladiator so great is not what Wolfgang is going to be bringing to the table. You know, so <laughs> it, what makes Gladiator so great exactly is like the Joaquin Phoenix stuff, and that's where this movie to me completely fails. Exactly. Like, yeah, I could have cut. I wouldn't have minded 40 minutes of this movie being cut and just there just being way less like conversation in, in the halls and have it be more of like a Goodfellas of the, you know, 3200 BC or yeah. whatever. Like, Maybe just I think I'm all just too the... swept up in the idea of seeing Ridley Scott do the Trojan War, like literally That's seeing fair. how Ridley Scott would shoot the Trojan horse, how he would. I, I mean, I think Ridley Scott could do amazing things with the character of Helen. Yes, yes, exactly. She should be intriguing in this movie, and she has the the aura for it, and they just don't do anything with it. Yeah. So, what do you got, um, Chip? But then I hold on. But I, I got you. Oh, Air sorry. Force One, I score. Air Force One is a four. Um, I I, it's really close to a five. I agree. Like the two main performances are great. I actually think some of the performances on the periphery are not very good. I don't like the Glenn Close in this movie. Oh. She's so good. I don't think she's good in this. I, I think she's. So I don't good. think she's like actively bad, but she's just like it's just not. I don't know. Maybe I'm. I'm holding her to an unfair standard because of how good she is. Like she is a phenomenal actress, right? And it's almost like when people like that do just kind of be work, you're almost more disappointed. I just wanted more out of her in her couple minutes. But uh, yeah, three for Troy, four for or uh, Air Force One. What do you got, Chip? I'm going five for Air Force One. Um, I get what you're saying about Glenn Close. I think she's just kind of playing a vice president. There's not a lot special that happens with her character, but I think that she does good work with it. And I like the way that she does kind of try to stand her ground as, you know, various coalitions and interested parties are trying to sway her with the Constitution to give her power, to give, you know, the Secretary of Defense power or whoever. Like, I, I do find that arc a little bit compelling. I think she does really good work with it. And then, I mean, Harry Ford is so special in this movie. Like, it was my Letterboxd review, but again, going back to names, Jim Marshall as the name of a president is fucking awesome. <laughs> that that absolutely yeah. fires me up. Whatever Jim Marshall's policies are, I kind of don't care. I want to fill in that bubble next to his name, uh, just off of those three syllables. And he does really, really good work. He He's going for it, but I don't think in like an over-the-top way. Like he just, he plays it very serious, Evan. Mm -hmm. He is a serious yes. president. He's a serious man. He is. He does, and he's taping that game. And don't you tell him what that score is. Also, he knows how to handle an assault rifle and he's going to save this entire plane. And I am fully on board with it as yeah, you know what I, I think we don't talk about enough with Harrison Ford is how good he delivers, like, a soft but serious monologue. Like, even his opening speech is just so good. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Like, the, the, he launches into, like, the little bit of Russian, and then he goes, he, I was supposed to be here tonight, you know, to accept congratulations and praise. And then it's just like, he, you, you're like, I'm in. Like, you clearly have, there's more under the surface than what's happening here. It's like basically okay. every time he's having a conversation about one of the mysteries in Indiana Jones, you know, as well. It's the same kind of thing. But he's just so good at doing that, you know, draw you in. And Gary Oldman in this movie is not going to uh, draw you in. Maybe he is going to either scream at you or he's going to whisper very intimidating things to you uh, in a, I, I think, a strange Russian accent that I don't think really works. 
um, but that really excites me. And he is also a man who, for very different reasons, I am very interested in one ex excites me with his uh, stances on uh, foreign relations. Um, he's, he's a great villain. Again, it, it, it is so similar to Die Hard, where you find yourself kind of siding with him and you're like, you're making some really good points, dog. Yeah. I think, I think uh, like dream blunt rotation is him villain from Die Hard, And then uh, Woody Harrelson's character from triangle of sadness this year, would just yeah. love to hear them going to get in a room and together and, and just, you know, have a conversation over, over a joint. Definitely, um, definitely a big fan of that and what he's bringing to the movie. Um, and I also, I, I kind of feel like they do write him pretty well, like in his moments where he is extra angry and fired up and, you know, impassioned for what he believes his country has been stolen, what he what he believes was stolen from him and his country and his beliefs. And it's like it doesn't feel cartoonish, mm -hmm. which I think is actually pretty impressive for an over the top performance. Um, I'm giving Troy a two, though, guys, mm. like, this is a really poorly acted like obviously like Pitt is terrible. We've gone over yeah. it. Um, Bloom is bad. I also think Bana is bad. I don't I buy that Eric yeah, Bana I, I is agree. supposed to be like Hector. You know, he's yeah. the one who can face Achilles. I'm just like, really? This is the guy that like your entire city is gonna follow to death and defend. Like, I'm. He's pretty, not charismatic. Yeah, he's not charismatic enough to be like the the golden son of Troy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but I mean, Peter O'Toole is in this movie, and he awesome like he you know is who should have been you know who should have been cast as uh as hector as hector uh russell crowe vigo mortensen mm. i like that i like that yeah you know what this movie like actually makes me want to see though is sean bean as odysseus in an odyssey movie like you jed you were like he yeah. could be like jed's like sean bean's a great eighth man in the movie and you're 100 percent right oh i didn't say that no, Evan said I that. I said that. Take that. Oh. Take those words out of my mouth. I think well, he's a great third man. I think he's a great second. He's man. the eighth man in all these movies that we love, or maybe like he is, and he's that, great at that. That's not an. Insult. I know, but I, I, yeah. I, I want to, you know, I just okay. justice for my man. I love him as I, I will watch anything he's in, even if he's absolutely. The lead. But I, I would actually like to see him as the leading man in an Odysseus movie. Like I do think that he, he doesn't do a lot extra with the character he kind of is just sean bean as odysseus but i feel like his just general face and demeanor kind of fit that character so he doesn't mm -hmm. have to do a lot and he could uh be really good in an odysseus miniseries movie i have my words exactly i mean he gets the he gets the last lines of the movie like he said they will remember me with achilles or whatever they will by speak the way, to me my time with achilles by the way why the fuck do we get introduced to brad pitt by him just dunking on a little kid I wouldn't want to fight that giant soldier. Yeah. That's why no one will ever remember your name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> off like, dude, and that I, is the only character development we see from Brad. Pitt in the movie. So that, that scene is so funny. It almost seems like it's supposed to be a joke, but it's played so seriously. Um, that That's a great pull. I also want to just say that Brian Cox was rocking the shit out of those skirts. Oh, yeah. And the wig. His legs were so exposed on the battlefield. I was like, also, wow, this is Gleason, wild. after seeing Gleason in um, Banshees, it's like you almost had to do a double take for me, like remembering what he looked like when he was that like younger. Yeah. Like, uh, and obviously with the beard and everything. Um, amazing, though. Um, what a face. Lots yeah. of great faces, though, in this movie. I'll give him that.
great faces. Uh, okay, 37 to 51. Overall feel, uh, I'll go first. I got six for Troy, uh, and I've got eight for uh, I've got eight uh, for Air Force One. Um, I think those go pretty much in line with with uh, what my my letterbox reviews were. I gave Troy three stars and Air Force One four stars. Right? I think it's. I mean, I think both of these movies are watchable. I think Air Force One is infinitely more rewatchable though than Troy. I I don't know why. Do you guys find this? And maybe it won't happen anymore because I feel like now I like sat down and watched it critically. But I feel like I've been duped by Troy like a ton of times where I'm like, oh, Troy, that's epic. And then you go back and rewatch it and you're like, it was okay. I mean, it, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't bad. But I feel like that's continually happened to me. Like, I want to extrapolate that in Legacy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yes. Very memeable movie. Uh, Chip. I'm going to go five for troy and eight for air force one i kind of want to go you know what i'm going nine for air force one how about that you know what i think this is probably my second favorite wolfgang behind um in the line of fire which i think is an unbelievably good eastwood performance if you guys have seen that one uh again it's it's that highly but it's it in the line of fire is a little more conspiracy minded which is why i kind of have a soft spot for it um but yeah, Air Force One is just basically a, a perfect action movie. It is so of the 1990s. I mean, this movie came out a year after I was born, and so I feel like I, you know, you just I just feel like it calls back to so many things that like I just barely missed out on as a youth um, in terms of the technology and the look and the feel and the clothes and the TVs. Um, and I I do really love the plot, even if it's the same plot we've seen a hundred other times same tropes same kinds of characters to see these actors do it i'm like all right cool i'm great with that and then uh yeah i just find troy to be overall kind of disappointing and it is one where you think oh this is going to be great because it's pit and it's uh homer and that's awesome and it's a stinker evan um i i got troy at six and air force one at eight um i think like Troy is basically league average for me, and and I do give movies a little bit of a bump, so that sits right at about six. I do think it has a really good score. Um, I do think that there are good some good action sequences. I mean, we haven't really talked about it, but that last fight at the end really is well done, and I do like watching it, and that's probably part of the reason why I've been sucked into watching this movie so many times when it's been on TV is because I really do like that last fight and the buildup to it. Um, but there's just a lot to be desired there, uh, kind of across the board outside of really the way that it sounds, I think. Um, and then Air Force One, um, and eight, it's like nearly as good as you can get for a pure action movie. Um, and it does have the emotional stakes in there. Um, Chip, I'm with you. I, this might be my favorite Wolfgang. I honestly love Perfect Storm a lot. Perfect Storm might be my favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, just such a well done, fun movie that flies by. Eight. Awesome. Uh, okay, fifty four to seventy six. Uh, Troy's in danger of being the lowest scored movie. I think actually, no matter what, it's going to be the lowest scored movie in the history of movies. I think it's very interesting. Um, so excited to talk about the legacy category. 
I actually think this is where Troy should get a 10. Oh. So, I, yeah, no, no, because I think the legacy of this movie outshines actually its performance. Like, I think it, it's looked back on so much more fondly. And, like, I know a lot of people that love Troy or, like, have talked oh. about, like, liking liking Troy a lot. Um, and I think the legacy, when you think about, like, the legacy of, like, the cast, if you look back on it now, you're like, wow, what a crazy cast. Um, you know, and even just hit at the peak of his powers playing Achilles, right, and looking like this. It's also pretty gift and memed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, I mean, I think it has a legacy. You can argue whether or not the movie lives up to the legacy that it has, but I think it's one of those movies that is remembered um, and probably celebrated far more than it deserves, but I think it that legacy deserves at least a, a mention. So I agree that the legacy outshines the actual movie. That was, I think that was 100% correct, but I don't think it outshines it to a full 10. The GIFs and the memes carry it. I associate this movie so much with a high school classroom. I think I saw this movie like at <laughs> least once, if not twice, like in some Western literature class in my educational uh, uh, history. Obviously with some fast forwarding and probably not the director's cut, which features some nudity, um, but it's, you know, one of those, yeah, it's one of those where, uh, like, I just, like, it, it's a three, it's, you know, hey, we got three days of class left here. We're going to throw on Troy because we've been talking about Homer or whatever. Um, so that leads me to put it at like an eight for Legacy. Wow. I'm interested. I don't know. I feel like for the most part, I've always kind of heard this as a bomb a little bit or, or a movie that people were disappointed in. Really? Um, it was in the TBS rotation, though, for me, for sure. TNT. I can't remember exactly what it was. Yeah. Big, um, big TV movie. Oh, it man. Watch it all the time. Um, it was like, my summer, dad liked it. yeah, those summer like Saturday afternoons when all the programming was off, you know, and it's just like they had a lot of, of airtime. Yeah, it's just like considering where Pitt was in his career, it's actually interesting to me that it's not more in the in like the cultural focus, honestly. Um, like, and that might be part of why it I consider it a bit of a miss, just because of the the possibilities here. I don't know. I I was thinking more like, I guess maybe eight. I was thinking more like seven because it's like, uh, you know. The quality doesn't match. The quality is kind of dragged up by the cultural resonance just because of who's involved. Mm-hmm. I I think I'd be willing to go down to eight. Okay. And chips at eight. I was at ten. Yeah. So I'm. Are you willing to come up to eight? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Eight would work for me. And I also had eight for Air Force One. I feel like this is actually has the opposite problem. Like I feel like it doesn't have a legacy that lives up to probably how good it is. This is just like I just see the VHS box of this movie, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. me too. On the like the cover of this is yeah great, um, but I have eight for that as well. Do you that guys sounds know? fine to me. Right. I honestly do think that because of the similarities to Die Hard, if there was no Die Hard or without the uh, that movie as as a I mean Die Hard as a ten in terms of cultural relevance, so. Some people are probably not throwing on Air Force One when they can also throw on Die Hard and kind of scratch the same itch. That's fair. Um, wow. That was a beatdown. 
It was Final tough, score, dude. 84 to 62. I thought it was going to be closer. I, I We came to the outcome, but again, I thought that before I rewatched fucking Troy. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> like, well, there's the <laughs> life I'm never getting back. Um, we should remake Troy the right way. Yeah, I'm I'm telling you. Four hours. Someone needs to starring really look at Homer. As Achilles. Yeah, <laughs> we should. No one's talking about ever talked about Homer enough. We need to look at Homer. We need to revisit Homer. Um, no I one has done this. No one's done this. Great idea. Uh, how do you guys feel about the those next scores? IP? How do you guys feel about those scores? I feel good. Um, I feel good. Yeah, it it deserved to be a beatdown. I think if if I was like good at video, I would like Photoshop this movie like onto Bana's body being dragged behind Troy, like. <laughs> And like it's Harrison Ford driving the cart around. <laughs> All right, maybe I'll maybe I'll do that. Uh, I'll 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 see if I can, you know, get some Adobe, uh, animator going. <laughs> uh, all right, I got nothing else to say. Kind of a depressing versus. I'm not gonna lie. Um, just like when they're that when it's that tough, you're just like, oh man, like how how much deeper can we go? Lowest score ever. Um, with considering some of the movies that we've done on a versus, I think it's shameful. Shameful, shameful. Um, Watch Air Force One. That's the takeaway from this episode. Yeah, I guess it was amazing. That's true. Um, Thank you guys, as always, for listening. If you haven't already, follow us on Twitter at Flick and Scream, on Instagram at Flicking and Screaming. Head over to the website, flickingandscreaming.com, to stay up to date on the latest action with Flicking and Screaming. We got some blogs over there. Um, Cooking up some more blogs are in the the ovens preheating on said blogs. Um, I can't say that the blogs are in the oven, but the oven is preheating. Uh, Next week, we're doing a really fun episode. We're going to be doing our top five actresses that are working in Hollywood right now. Um, we're going to be talking about our our current faves, uh, what we've loved from them, and and maybe what we'd like to see uh, uh, from them in the future. I think it could be a very a, a very varied episode. Um, I think there could be a lot of range uh, between us. Should but, we bring like should we bring one movie or one project from each individual that we want to like talk about briefly, like or not even like their best, but like, hey, their best work is high. Some of their best work can be highlighted in this as an example. You know, is that something I, we should bring I, to the table? I think that's fair. I think it's a if you're interested in exploring this person's work, this is where I would start. Like Excellent. we can do one of those. Um, I think that would be yep. good. Uh, all right. Any final thoughts? I have one final thought. I want to thank Wolfgang Peterson. We haven't talked about her enough for introducing Diane Kruger. Mm-hmm. to american audiences to the american box office she was she's amazing in national treasure gotta give her credit there she's a huge part of those those movies yeah and then is amazing in inglorious bastards like yep. a movie where it's impossible to rank you know the the actors uh one through you know 22 in that movie or whatever but she is so good as bridget von hammersmark and part of Maybe the best scene of the 2000s, you know, post-2000s. I don't know. Um, I don't know. But great actor. Love it. Blinking and Screaming. Jed Sprague, Evan Fagundis, J.T. Chipman. Good night, Diane. Yeah. We know you're <laughs> Good night. And now, the starting lineup for your... Jasters, what's up, guys? I guess. I'm not going to debate you, Jerry. God bless the internet.